Well, welcome uh, to our service today. We um, are continuing our series in Malachi, our kind of mini series. We have seen that um, so far the book really is generally about the disputes that people had and also the, the, the dispute that God really had with his people in the way they were behaving uh, towards uh, him and how they were um, the offerings that they were giving him. And so today we kind of move on to a, 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 a different subject, the same sort of thing, but maybe a different part of this subject of not only uh, uh, not serving God in the right way, but now we're going to be looking at how one another, how the, the people then of Malachi were um, not serving one another, were not honouring one another. Um, and so what we look at is uh, Malachi 2, um, verses 10 to 16 uh, and this is I've called union um, really this is about the union of God's people to firstly to God uh, and then to one another so today what I want to look at is is really a sort of sense of unfaithfulness that we get through these verses uh, now this section of Malachi goes in to talk about divorce but actually I believe we're we're missing out on a, on a wider message when we, we don't look at this more closely uh, and what God is saying behind the words. So what we read about today is, is being unfaithful to the one true God. And that's what really should we should be getting from that. Um, what I hope this helps us to understand is that we need to be alert to just how important uh, God values union or unity in his people. But not only um, not only that, not only how important God values union or unity in his people, but to his people, uh, the relationship that he has with them. And then we'll look at how it's important in remaining faithful to God. That it, it, these are warnings from the past before we enter into the New Testament uh, of what's to come in Jesus Christ. Um, but almost a, a, a good reminder of where we need to be as Christians, that we don't just use Jesus as an excuse to sit back uh, and, and, and not do anything about our own walk with God because that constantly needs to be challenged and we need to raise it with God and we need to ask God to help us uh, to uh, improve our relationship with him and, and to explore that and get deeper uh, a relationship with him as well. So let's look at Malachi 2 verses 10 to 16. It says, do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has de desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god. As far as for the men who, who does this, uh, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and well because he no longer looks with favour on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You've been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard uh, and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. 
the overriding theme of, of Malachi um, is an unfaithfulness to God. Uh, that's what we see as we'll go through. We've been through some already. And as we continue to go through others, we'll see that same thing happening. Um, what we read in these verses is the things, uh, one of the things at least, but the things and ways and means by which God's people display that unfaithfulness. Many have done sermons uh, on these verses and the majority of the time, the point that is always driven home is that um, and one translation that people use is that God hates divorce. Um, I, I believe the NIV version has it more specifically. Um, but actually, when, when people talk about this, what what we really need to get behind is, is not the, the object uh, of, of the divorce itself. My, my concern is how we've, we've, we've missed the point of the union that God has created between man and woman. And we can see this, can't we? Because marriage has become, in some ways, somewhat of a um, of an event of a, of, of a one moment in time. And it's sad to see that that, uh, without it being um, thought about carefully, uh, there is a sense that maybe um, people are are losing that relationship. That they're not really had that relationship um, to honour the union that God has put forward. But what we see is if you read around um, many commentaries and, and things, it, it ends up pinning these verses to the ills of divorce today and how Christians um, need to respect the sanctity of marriage in particular. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, of uh, with the principles of those points. We totally agree uh, that God created union between man and woman uh, in the right way. And we express that in how we uh perform the ceremony in marriage um, but God ultimately has the um, creation credit on union God loves union and Christians should do well to live as God has ordained for our good because that's why God has put it in place but the way in which these points are made uh, when you read about them uh, I think is probably missing a wider context and I think that's a shame because the verses speak more than just one particular point of divorce actually uh, god uses some very clever liter lit literary devices to actually speak more about our union with him and therefore then the union of of him in the marriage between man and woman um, but there's this just this wider context of our union with him and that's kind of what i want to look at today i want to explore that today so let's look at this in the first uh as we look at the first verse and get an idea of what the context of this section is. The first thing that is uh, mentioned that above all else matters is one father, one God. This is the overriding theme of, of the verses, um, if not really the whole of Malachi. The first inference we can, we can draw from this is that we if we truly believe that we came from one God and one creator, and one father, then how can we possibly be unfaithful to one another? There's a really good way to express this. It's, it's mentioned in Matthew 22 uh, verses. Let me just go back there. Um, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. I've got the wrong one on there, but it says here, Matthew 27, 22, 37 to 40 says, Jesus replied, 
Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What we find is a common thread in the Bible of a principle of loving the law with everything we have. But it also means that the outcome of that is is to also love our neighbours as ourselves. After all, the Bible says the second is like it, maybe not the same, but certainly similar to it. Of course, God, the love for God um, comes above all things, but second to it and is like it is to love your neighbour as yourself. For instance, you would only bring harm to others if you are determined to bring harm to yourself. And that should speak to us as Christians about our relationship with God and how we, we, we may not truly value the union that we have with him that he has created. The outcome is that in being unfaithful to one another, they have also, and we can do this, we, we profane God by being unfaithful to God through our unfaithfulness. It's all quite tied up together. It's all, it's, it's all quite integrated. And, and, and when you read these verses in Malachi, God shifts constantly between the two, relationship with people, relationship with him. And we, we get drawn, sidetracked somewhat on the object of marriage, the object of divorce. And I think what, what we're missing out on is the beauty of scripture in the way it's been written and the way that the interchange between those, those two relationships actually help us to understand a relationship with God that we need to be seeking. So as we progress through the next verses in Malachi, <clears throat> what we find is that God describes the specific actions by which they are being unfaithful to one another, uh, and ultimately God. We find that Judah is marrying other women who worship a foreign God. And, and when I've read this, um, many people talk about relating this to um, uh, yoking yourselves to unbelievers, so Christians um, who yoke themselves to unbelievers. Um, and it's often related to the verse in Corinthians where Paul advises Christians to marry Christians. Uh, do not yoke yourself to unbelievers. And, and I would definitely agree with that principle. Uh, but let's make clear that whilst the union of man and woman is God ordained and right, the union that God created between man and woman, the practice of it through marriage, through how we express that union, is subject to flaws due to the broken people participating in it so so the way in which we do it yes it has great intention to honor god but we cannot avoid the fact that we ourselves are living in a broken world and a broken people so therefore things that we do ultimately will have something in that don't quite work what we need to get back to is the core of g of god creating union between man and woman that's what we need to get back to But in fact, what we see in scripture is, um, is that unequal marriages are a reality. We see this in the New Testament. 1 Peter 3 uh, verses 1 to 2 says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won 
over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of their lives. I think we get uh, bogged down in the object in the object of marriage instead of really understanding the sanctity of union between man and woman ordained by God. The church has, has always been accused uh, of turning a blind eye to abusive marriages, sometimes just for the sake of keeping up appearances uh, in the form of marriage. And that is something the church does need to rectify and change, that it needs to come about and come to support people in marriage, uh, rather than uh, we cannot be standing from afar and, di and dictating to people that they must um, uphold marriage when we don't support them and help them through it through difficult times. Uh, we must be ready to help and support. That might be through Christian counselling, might be through Christian life coaching, might be through many other ways that God has can send us into and help with situations in marriages. But systematic abuse of spouses in marriage is unacceptable. Uh, and regardless of <clears throat> what that piece of paper might say, um, my concern is that once that starts to happen within a marriage, that abuse, I firmly believe that in the context uh, of union, that that union that God has ordained has either been broken or is being severely eroded. And so the church needs to not only stand from afar, uh, not, not only just uh, come and bring scripture and, and in the right way explain God's union, but also come and bring support, practical, helpful support through scripture. How do we do that as Christians? How do we help one another in the church? How do we help others who are struggling? Many churches put on um, helpful nights and evenings, or at least used to before this um, pandemic. Uh, and was able to um, help with marriages and supporting that. And that's great and fantastic. Needs to do much more about helping people how to live biblically uh, rather than just shouting at people, <laughs> telling them uh, you must live this way. Um, if you don't know that God's union of man and woman is deeper than a piece of signed paper, then, then read all about Adam and Eve, um, how God intended for a union of working together under one God. And bearing in mind that in what we read in Malachi is effectively um, a, uh, from the Old Testament times, certainly that only men were able to issue certificates or, of divorce or issue so that women may be released from marriage. Uh, what God is, is actually saying here is that men were doing it uh, in order to please themselves. They were going off of other women and marrying other women for, who were worshiping foreign gods. Uh, and that's because the system that was in place at the time, the way they honoured marriage uh, was to, was it, if, if only then the man was able to dictate, to say whether that marriage would continue, women would be left with nothing. And so we get the context of Malachi and we understand why this is talking about divorce in this context, because what it's actually saying is that God wants to protect women in this in this way he wants to he knows that this is how they carry out marriage and so to just go i'm i'm now going to decide that's the end i'm going to go off with another woman and that's it and so god is is angry uh, at men for this and looking at men and so it and so it should be um i am a great advocate of men's ministry it's something i i desperately want to start up here in this church but um i i, I do not hold or pull my punches 
when it comes to men, seeing men grow up and be men. Uh, and I don't mean man up. I mean to be men in Christ. I mean not to be children anymore, but to be men. And far too often we're seeing in our society and even within Christian circles, men who are not really stepping up to the plate to have this same care that God has over uh, the wives and women. And actually we are tasked with a huge responsibility to honour our wives, to honour our sisters, to honour uh, our mothers, to honour um, women in general. And so we need to see biblical um, practice being implemented there where God is so caring over women and he wants us as men to take that lead in that sense. The church, the um, Getting back to the verse of what it's actually about in regards to Judah, um, when it says uh, that they were marrying foreign gods, I believe it's, it's actually about, it's being drawn away to another God. What, what God is expressing here is an example where it's about being drawn away to another God, to be unfaithful to the one true God. What God was showing is that they clearly did not hold God in high regard as their behavior showed that in the way Judah was being unfaithful to God. So he shows this in a very specific way in through marriage. And so uh, there's this sense and God creates a sense that he is involved in this union. What's repeated in the verses in Malachi is, is the offering being of no value to God. What God is conveying is just, is just as we learned over the last few weeks, if they were not living to be godly, to be upright, then what they offered would be an empty gesture. In their living, they were not they were not unified with God, and so their offering would also not be unified to God. God would refuse it, and we, we saw that last week. But God speaks of this unity in the form of how the men were being unfaithful to their wives. In verse 14, it says, you ask why, why it is because the Lord is a witness to you and the wife of your youth. You've been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. But also what we see is God refer back to himself. So he, he talks about the specific action that's going on, the specific thing of of. Um, cheating of being unfaithful to their partners but then brings it back to God brings it back to himself and says you're doing that to me you're being unfaithful to me let's look at this in verse uh, 15 and it says has not the one God made you you belong to him in body and spirit you see whilst God pointed out to them a very real situation happening it is also mixed with this um, constant going back and forth between describing a practical thing so that we understand the very real issue in front of us and then and then looking at applying that and saying how do you think that looks to me as God is, is saying how do you think that looks to me when you when you destroy that union with me but check how God weaves himself back into this union between man and wife and says in the same way you're practicing unfaithfulness to your wife how much more is your unfaithfulness to god an act of the worst type of unfaithfulness and, and i believe god does this 
he says it's bad enough you're cheating on your wife on your wife because I, I I I created this fantastic union of man and woman but how much worse is it that you cheat on the one true God who created you that's why God speaks of his power in the verses he speaks of this sense of going has not the one God made you this is God you're doing this to. This is, and this is what God is trying to, in Malachi, trying to express and convey. What we find is, as we draw to the end of these verses in Malachi, there's this one stark warning. Uh, and it's in, um, it's in the, the, the same verses. It says, uh, you've been, let me just go to the next one. Anyway. It says on the last verses, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful, it says. And I believe this to be a callback to how God has remained and continues to remain faithful to his people. It says, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. The union between God and his people will ultimately determine much of the decisions we make and the outcomes we experience. God today remains ever faithful. Jesus will not forsake his people and will never end the union that he so dearly loves and desires. We see this in Matthew 7 verse 11 and it says, If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I love that verse because it's still it's doing that same, it's using that same device again that God is, is using there. It's using that same device as how much more. So we've seen the opposite, the kind of evil effect, as it were, the, the, the negative effect of if you do that to your wife, how much more are you doing it to God? How much more are you doing it to me? And then we see this great sort of grace come in uh, that we see today through Matthew, where it says, if though you're evil, you give good gifts, how much more as God who is not evil and is perfect. Give good gifts to those who ask him. So as Malachi exposes a stark reality of how we can be unfaithful to God, Jesus tells us that God never changes and is able to give abundantly more than we can ever give to him despite our ways of evil. But we can only be on our guard and watch out for our own unfaithfulness if we know what faithfulness looks like. And thankfully, the Bible tells us what that looks like. Isaiah 54 verses 4 to 8 says this, Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer.
this is what faithfulness looks like. That even in the so-called abandonment, we were not abandoned. I want to describe to you that this, this abandonment that God talks about, I can, I can only come to the conclusion that it wasn't full abandonment. Because I'm telling you now that if God uh, does abandon, he abandons. And we are left entirely without him. And I don't know what that means uh, for the bigger uh, parts of, of our destiny. What I do know is that if God fully let us go and no way back, then we'd be lost to hell forever. And actually, I don't think God ever really abandoned us because there was grace, because God kept piling on grace upon grace upon grace. For the union of love and faith between God and his people is so important to God that it was not to be forsaken. But instead, the price for that union would be for his son to die on a cross and to be resurrected. That is how important God values union with his people. That is how we too should seek to value it. For how we value God will be shown in how we live and remain faithful to God and therefore each other. As we just draw to a close, I'm going to leave you with this verse in Hebrews and then we'll, 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 we'll pray and straight into just our last worship song. Um, and then we'll close. Hebrews uh, 13 verses 15 to 16 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices God is pleased Lord we just want to thank you that today we can come to the throne room of God and just lay down be honest and open with you and say Lord there are times when I have been I have disrupted or attempted to, I've allowed to, my flesh to disrupt the union between us, our relationship between us. But Lord, I want to thank you that we have grace, that you have provided grace in which we can come back to you again and again, that we can come back. And I say that, come back, but actually but what we know is you never leave us and you never forsake us. But Lord, we do ourselves try to when we're not right with you we try to distance ourselves and so lord we ask for forgiveness in that but we can ask for forgiveness and it will be given with a genuine and contrite heart and lord we just want to ask today for your holy spirit that we learn how to how to complement this union that you have created between men and women between each other lord how do we express in the right way Lord, the union that you have created and not defile it. Lord, help us to remain faithful, firstly to you, but in our relationships also, Lord, that we remain faithful to each other. Lord, we can only do that with you through the Holy Spirit. We can only do that through you through the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we ask today that you bring us a help and guidance. To, 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 for us to learn how to be more Christ-like in our relationships, 
more Christ-like in our union with you. And so, Lord, we thank you for the warnings from the Bible. We thank you for your teaching. And we praise your holy name today, Lord. And we say we thank you. Glorious Jesus, glorious God, glorious Father, glorious Holy Spirit. We thank you.